Hey everyone, this is Anthony Grant, and I want to introduce you all to this podcast. It's called Superstar PR, and it's all about entertainment insider chats with Nikki, the founder of the PR agency, Nikki Inc. This podcast chats with some serious entertainers and media insiders, always choosing people who are making a difference in the entertainment world and who have cool stories to share. Happy listening. Hi, guys. My name is Nikki Papayuanu, and this is Superstar PR. I'm the CEO and founder of our Toronto boutique PR agency called Nikki Inc. And today's guest is one epic female race car driver. Now, it's important to me that I bring you some strong females because that's just who I admire most. And you guys need to know this girl. She started volunteering at racing competitions when she was really young. Since then, she has raced in Florida, New York, and she has won three times and has hit the podium 13 times on the GT racing circuit. And she launched her racing career at 24 years old. So without further ado, please welcome Lindsay Rice of Rice Racing. Lindsay, how are you? I'm fantastic, Nikki. How are you? Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Lindsay, like, where did the passion come from? Was there a moment, like a moment that stands out for you where you can say like, you looked at cars in a different way? Oh my goodness. I feel like I had so many moments. Um, When I was really young, I want to say 12, 13 years old, my dad let me take out our sea And I know it's kind of unrelated, but it's related in the fact that I fell in love with the speed. I fell in love with the speed of being out on the water and just going as fast as I could. And I basically go straight across the lake, turn around, come back and do that over and over again. By the time I was 15, I was actually driving. My sister's two years older than me. So she had a car and I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but I would hop in the car when I was 15, just before I got my license. And I would drive it around the block right by my house. I had this little block that I would always follow. And that was it. That was it for me. Like I got behind the wheel of a car and it was just the feeling, the the power, you know, the, the ability to have that control and just go around corners and feel like you're on edge and enjoy that feeling. And, and you know, like for me, I think the biggest thing was just the emotional attachment right then and there. Driving on the street can be a little bit slow sometimes. And following my instinct and following my passion, that's kind of what brought me to the racetrack to get a little faster. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I mean, I have a bit of a heavy foot, but I never even thought of like taking my car to a racetrack to just let it go really fast. So like, that's so cool, Lindsay. (laughs) How do your parents feel and how does your family feel about you choosing to race cars? My mom comes to every single track day, every single race weekend. Uh, She always wants to make sure that I am safe and or she is there if anything's happening. Um, That being said, things have happened and she has been there. So it's actually been quite nice. And my dad definitely uh, loves the fact that I'm racing and he brags about me all the time, which, you know, I really ask him to stop. But, uh, you know, your parents don't always listen to you. So I just let them run with it. That's so cute. When you say things have happened, has there been a scary moment for you in a race? Absolutely. Actually, the last time I was in a car, or sorry, the last time I was in the car last season in 2018, I slipped on some oil on track. Um, Another car had spilt oil down the back straight. And, you know, the back straight is where you're getting up 
to your highest speeds when you're at Mossport. And I was at Mossport and it was just a, a track day. And I was out there, that oil was right in front of me. We had a red flag up ahead, which means you need to slow down and or come to a stop. And unfortunately, someone just put on their brakes right in front of me. So I had to put on my brakes really fast too. I was right over the oil and I just went spinning. And I was probably going 180 kilometers at that point, um, which is actually the slower part of the back straight. And when I went spinning, I went into a concrete wall. Okay. Yeah. That all just made my heart skip a beat. Is there kind of... um a strategy you employ when you realize your car is about to crash into a wall, like a tactic or a technique? Yeah. Luckily, I didn't hit it head on. I kind of slid against it. Stuff like that happens. And I think in the moment, especially for a driver, you know, you just get a hold of what's going on, feel what your car is doing and try to prevent too much damage. And of course, injury to yourself and whatever that takes, you do. So that was my uh, survival mode when that was happening. And I think I did pretty well. I saved the car, saved myself. So, um, I mean, we did hit the wall, but not too terribly. There's actually a standard across all race car drivers. We know, okay, you, you step on the brakes, you hold the wheel, and you try to get yourself out of the crash. If you're past the point of no return, you got to let go of the wheel. Otherwise, when you hit an object, a car, the wall, your steering wheel actually kind of kicks back at you. And if your hands are attached to that wheel, um, you know, there's been stories of people, you know, breaking their wrists and stuff like that, because that impact is shaking your arms, shaking your hands so fast and so quick that obviously your body can't handle it. Another thing is, you know, you're, you're on the brakes, on the brakes, when you're past that point of no return again, um, get off the pedal, get off the pedal, take your foot off of there. Um, you know, and that's obviously just for safety's sake, because you're, you're going to crash and there, there's nothing you can do about it. So just protect your, your limbs and yourself and stay relaxed. If you tense up, it actually causes a little bit more havoc or wreaks more havoc on your body. Um, so you got to stay kind of relaxed, which I know is kind of contradictory if you're heading into a wall, but we try our best and, and it's all just for safety's sake. Yes, you read my mind. I was like, Lindsay is going into a concrete wall and she is trained to relax. You are my idol. Yeah, I know. Like I said, so contradictory, but you just kind of make it happen. Have you had moments of self-doubt and do you remember your first ever race? Yes and yes. My moment of self-doubt actually came after the first time I did have an accident. Basically, I was on top of the world. My first season, I was like, this is my dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. You know, now I'm in it. I'm driving competitively and there's nothing else in the world. And then I did have that crash when I was at Grand Prix Trois-Rivières, which is a street circuit, lots of concrete walls everywhere. And uh, there was a little bit of rain and I just got loose in a corner and crashed. And I just remember after that, it took me a little while to get my mojo back. And I think, you know, looking back, that was just a huge learning curve for me to say, look, you think you have control of your car 24-7. But the truth is, when you're pushing a car to the limit, like you do, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. My car could break, my um, tire could pop, you know, um, anything could send me into a spin or, you know, off track from where I'm trying to place the car. 
after that crash, it was just kind of taking that step back and being like, hey, Lindsay, like you almost need to like rebuild this and restructure your thinking and and just know, okay, if something happens, it's going to be okay. You're going to, you know, you know, you're going to get through it. But I think that reality check for me was really, really important. We're very much trained to, you know, take risks and just get out there. And of course, we're trying to be the fastest one out there. So um, you want to do everything in your power to get the car on the very edge. But that particular moment, yeah, I had some self-doubt. Kind of like, oh my goodness, how did I let that happen? Like, Lindsay, you're not a good driver, you know, but it happens to everybody. You know, there's this saying in racing, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when. So you just kind of have to prepare yourself for that. And and when it does happen, you just build yourself up and put your helmet back on and get in your in your car. Wow, that's a good motto. Not if, but when. Yeah. And everybody, you know, I compete with, they can back that up. <laughs> well, you know, they, it's kind of like life, right? So life is going to have detours. And a lot of my guests um, interview and say it was a detour that led them to the best point in their life the best mental state in their life. So I guess for you as a driver, is there anything you say to yourself before a big race that helps you prepare? It's honestly not what I tell myself. It's when I sit in my racing seat, when I'm in my bucket and it's just wrapped around my body and I've got my helmet on, I've got my suit on, I've got my gloves on, I'm putting my steering wheel together and I'm sitting there and I'm doing up my seatbelts, my five point harness. That is my moment to just kind of sit there and just breathe and be like, this is my home, you know, like I'm home. And that I find is the most relaxing thing versus anything I can say to myself, you know, any song I could put on to relax me. It's kind of sitting in that seat and being like, yeah, this is, this is me right here. Wow. You just gave me goosebumps. And when you're sitting in that seat, do you visualize the race before it happens and how you want to participate in it? Okay. So of course you have a vision, but I always actually visualize the start of the race. So when that green flag drops and I'm coming around the corner into the front straight and we're all, you know, we're all in gear, we're all getting ready. And I always envision that front straight and that green flag dropping and me passing like five or six cars. And it's just, I have that vision and and that's just what I aim for. And funny enough, the days that I've kind of put that image in my head or put that focus on, I've found that I excel. Like I'm, I'm just gone. Yes. You know, I've actually, um, I went to a race once where I stood, I guess, at Mossport, um, where the cars all enter. And I could feel the the energy, the vibration. And I got, I was like, wow, I'm not even in one of those cars, but I can feel what these drivers are feeling right now. I love that feeling. It was like being at an airport. Oh yeah. The power is just unparalleled. Like the power you can feel even just standing next to the car. I mean, you can imagine you felt that standing next to the cars. Yes. Imagine being in it. Oh my God. Holding it in your hand. Oh my God. <laughs> feeling the, the cornering through your butt. You know what I mean? It's just like, ugh. When I look at the past four years and my racing career and what's brought me to where I am, none of this was supposed to happen. I did have this dream. I did have this goal. And I knew one day I wanted to get on track, but, you know, to be able to get so deep into it and now call myself a semi-pro racer, have my own racing team. It's just unbelievable to me. I mean, it didn't come with, you know, no hard work behind the scenes. I put a lot into it, but you know, looking back and thinking about my first race weekend or, you know, the day that I found out 
okay, Lindsay, we're making this happen. We're going racing. It's just another world to me. And I remember that day getting in my car. I was driving a 911, my first ever season. Ooh, a 911 Porsche? Yeah, Porsche 911. Oh, wow. It was a 2005 Carrera. It was a street car we made into a race car. So my racing team actually prepared it as a race car. And you're going to laugh. I had snow my first race weekend out there. I had snow and hail. Come on. And um, you can only imagine with tires, when they get really cold, they kind of become hockey pucks. I don't even know how to describe it, but you have no grip. Wait, what month was this? In May, mid-May, oh God, May, yeah, May 2016, we had snow. Oh, I want to cry thinking about it. <laughs> Gotta love Canada. So long story short, there was so much going on. I mean, it, it made me a little nervous to be like, okay, we have hail, we have snow, which then turned to rain and it's cold and disgusting and whatever. You know what? That did not affect my mood. It did not affect the fact that I'm going out there and I'm showing everybody what I've got. And that first race weekend, Nikki, oh, it's so good. I brought home four podiums out of my four races. Come on. Four podiums, four top threes. In wow. GT. Yeah. Wow. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. There's no other indication that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And we're so excited about what's happening to your future. You've got some cool announcements for 2019. Talk to us. What's happening for you in 2019? This year, I'm actually the exclusive ladies track day instructor um, at Vancouver Island Motorsport Circuit. So that's a new circuit that opened up about four years ago now on Vancouver Island. So you can imagine it's like in the middle of beauty and wilderness and forest and by the ocean and, you know, one of the most spectacular spots in Canada. And I am doing track days there. So basically it's only for women, um, which is super close to my heart because since day one, I've wanted to get as many females exposed to um, motorsport and, you know, cars in general um, that I could, that I could influence. And so this program is basically a ladies only um, six participant a day program. So it's very one-on-one with me. I'll be teaching them seating position, car dynamics, weight transfer, um, all of that fun stuff um, in beginner programs and advanced programs. In the advanced programs, you can actually learn the race line with me and hit your apexes and, and we'll do lead follows at higher speeds and um, all of that exciting stuff. Oh my goodness, I, I'm getting so excited even talking about it. No, like that sounds amazing. And what does that actual day look like? There's a reception? Yeah, basically the program is a two-night program. So you'll arrive in the afternoon, enjoy some cocktails. I'll be there hosting and we'll enjoy a beautiful dinner together. Um, And then there's a night stay at the Hotel Erie, uh, which is out of Vancouver Island, actually owned by Gain Group, who owns the track. So it's a full-on experience. We do the cocktail reception, the dinner, and then the next day is all on track. So around 9 a.m. till 3.30, 4 p.m. And that is everything in our cars. So we're going to do some slalom driving. We're going to be doing lead follow on track. Um, Of course, there's a break for lunch. And then the next evening, we do another cocktail reception and dinner and another stay at the beautiful hotel. That sounds so fun. Yeah, like a full package experience. And and I'm kind of of hanging out with these ladies the, the whole time and 
you know, it's going to be really fantastic. Well, I mean, it's a lot to juggle with like a racing season, but let our listeners know what does the typical racing season look like for you? When does it start and when does it end? And what are the conditions that would actually stop a race from happening? Planning for the race season starts in September for the following year. The race season itself begins in May and in Canada usually lasts until uh, end of August, mid-September. Really, the the work that I've been doing behind the scenes in my racing career, it's, you know, six months of the year. It takes a lot of a lot of meetings, a lot of, you know, marketing. Um, I wear like 25 different hats, you know, when it comes to preparing for the racing season. There's the social media stuff I do. I plan events. I have to arrange to obviously have the race car completely decaled and designed with my sponsors. Then I have to put together team wear. You know, I have to contract a team. I have to uh, manage all my sponsorship relationships and plan the marketing for the year, plan their events out at the track. I have to myself order parts for the car. And, you know, on top of all that, I have to be staying sharp and in shape. Wow. So Lindsay, If I could wave my magic wand and say, Lindsay, what are your dreams moving forward? What are big things you want to accomplish? Put it out there. What is it? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, Okay, well, in terms of racing, honestly, Nikki, if I can grow and expand my racing program and just go to the States, maybe go to Europe and, and, you know, race myself, but also have other drivers and other people that I'm helping along the way to make their dreams come true. Oh, that's everything. Well, I have to, I have to say, I mean, in three years, what you've done is pretty exceptional. Your Instagram account has 15,000 followers, your website, beautiful. And you know what? You're, you're on the ball, Lindsay. And I just, I know that when you want to accomplish something, it's one thing to say you want to accomplish something. And it's another thing to just walk the talk. And I can tell the listeners right now that you are walking the talk. In terms of any big sponsors and supporters of your racing career, is there anybody you want to shout out right now? Well, every single one of them. Um, One of the biggest ones, you know, Audi has shown me a lot, a lot of support from corporate level down to dealership level. And I couldn't go racing without them. I mean, they created this beautiful car that I'm driving this season. I can't talk enough about this car, the balance, the handling, the performance of it. It's really, really outstanding. And they've shown me a lot of support in what I'm doing. I've heard a lot of what people have to say about, you know, females who are killing it. And I'm very impressed to hear that Audi has supported you this way. I'm going to leave you with one thing, Lindsay. What do you have to say in response to the athletic apparel brand? And I won't name them that said to me, we just don't consider car racing a sport. Oh my goodness. Okay. So those people have never been behind the wheel at high speeds. (laughs) The type of physical and mental challenge that you face when you're behind the wheel of a race car. I dare anybody to go try it out without practice, without proper physical conditioning. It's tough. So, I mean, after a race, are you exhausted physically? Exhausted. Exhausted. Wow. Well, we might just have to invite this person out to uh, the track with you, Lindsay, and I'm tempted to do that. (laughs) 
Now, Lindsay, I want our fans and our listeners to see you on your amazing channels. So let's talk about how they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and what your website callout is. Absolutely. Um, so on Instagram, my handle is at rice racing. So rice like the food and or my last name. <laughs> uh, my Twitter is at rice racing to like Toronto. Uh, my Facebook is at Lindsay rice official and you spell my name L I N D S A Y. And then finally, my website, um, where you can actually find my 2019 set schedule, um, information about my sponsors and partners. Um, all of this can be found at www.lindsayrice.ca. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today on Superstar PR. And we want to wish you all the best this year. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Until next time, everyone, thank you for joining us on Superstar PR. Bye now. Thanks for tuning in to Superstar PR. New episodes are available every other Friday. And you know, we would love your feedback. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to Superstar PR on your favorite streaming service and visit www.nikkiinc.ca to sign up for podcast alerts and notifications. Thank you so much for listening. 